sweets. Good day. Let's crush it. Let's do oh, another on one, yeah? On paper, he's yeah. 100% my type. He's right fit. He's got the banter. He's got the chat. And... Uh, <laughs> Beautiful. All right. All right. Oh, this is great. I really needed this. <laughs> I just, like, if I'm so not, cute. if I'm not talking to you about these things, I'm like, I'll find like a random bartender and I'll be like, yeah, can I tell you? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, what's happening here? I'm like, I just, I really. Oh my god! I got to tell um, good friends one of my favorite like stories from history of all time, which oh, yeah. is ab- about a man named Oofty Goofty. Which maybe oh. I'll do one episode. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, oh, I want to hear that. That's great. <laughs> um, I heard about him from a podcast, so I was like, it feels a little shady to do it on a- my podcast, but we'll see. Girl, <laughs> I have actually realized that um, that like some stories are like repurposed like especially when like because i listen to very similar Mm. like a lot of them are true crime podcasts that are like comedy based right Mm. so i've heard the same like story from like multiple different podcasts that's true so um i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna give the go ahead on oofty goofty okay cool like, future we'll put our special flavor on it future app oofty goofty my favorite yeah. man of all time and i like got to tell name. it to my friends no god no oh, okay but <laughs> okay. i got to tell the story to my friends and i was like oh what a relief yeah what oh a joy thank, yes thank you for letting me tell that it's so great oh. okay well um we've clapped shall yeah. we introduce the show let's do it All right, guys. Um, Welcome to Disastrous. This is the show where uh, we talk about... um, (laughs) I I just broke. I just... No, I really... I I always broke down. The the new version of, like, how you introduce the show. And I'm like, yeah, that is what we do. And it's always so cute and creative. (laughs) Well, what came to my mind, I was like, this is the show that's about that, um, like, abandoned house that's filled with asbestos (laughs) and that's falling down. And that's the equivalent of our show. Yeah, exactly. We're an asbestos house and... uh... With those crumbly front steps. And that, that like, popcorn ceiling that I guess you're not supposed to have anymore. Really? You're not supposed mm-hmm. to? Because oh. it can be filled with asbestos, apparently. I was like, because it's asbestos? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're a haunted house, basically. <laughs> but haunted in, like, the gross real world way where it's... Where you're actually like, this is icky and I don't want to be inside here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but please join us. Uh, <laughs> As we, you know, rummage through the the gross, dilapidated house of history. Mm, nice. We got we got there. We got there. Together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yes, I am Amanda, and I'm Hannah. And, and today, Hannah's gonna tell me a story. Yes. So I'm gonna tell you a story that I 
almost used in an earlier episode, actually. So we are going back to October when we talked about haunted movie sets. Because there were so many good ones. And this one, I like had so much of the research ready to go and I almost did it. Um, And it's less haunted and more just like one singular tragedy that happened. Okay. And... Um, it's my favorite, my favorite thing ever is that we can kind of pretty directly blame a man for it. Okay. <laughs> that is a nice, tasty little treat. Yeah. We get these solidly place the blame on a man. Uh, also I'm like in a good movies era. I've decided to start Ooh. watching good movies. Okay. Um, like I just watched the Godfather. I, I just watched the Godfather. <gasps> Uh, yeah. Al Pacino it's... is so cute in it. He's oh my God, so itty. Mm-hmm. He's just a little bitty baby. Uh, um, Yeah, The Godfather is a great movie. Like, anytime somebody's like, oh, The Godfather's an awesome movie, I'm like, Or snooze. <laughs> snooze. I'm like, yeah, he's everybody's favorite movie. Like, try something new. And then I watched it, and I was like, oh. it stands up. It stands up. It's pretty good. I I also watched The Matrix on a plane. Hell yeah, dude. Which is a good plane movie because it keeps you distracted. And then mm-hmm. also, I was like, yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for judging you people who like it. <laughs> so, although if you are someone who uses The Matrix to justify your shitty conservative misogynistic opinions... Um, I'm not sorry for judging you, actually. Yeah, no, no, no. You, you'd be judged. Yeah. So, this one is quite horrible. Um, today we're going to talk about the infamous Twilight Zone movie tragedy. Okay. Yeah. Amanda. Yeah, I don't know anything about this. Yes. What can you tell us about the Twilight Zone in general? Yeah. Ooh, good. I love this game. Uh, because it's... (laughs) So minimal, but um, I can tell you that I know that The Twilight Zone was a show from the 50s, and um, it was essentially like this, the idea... (laughs) <laughs> the idea was like that like reality is kind of like shifted mm. and uh and there are like loops and like little puzzle pieces and uh it's very entertaining yeah um they're usually I that right i think no, absolutely yeah! um always yes. in black and white or mm-hmm. yeah the first yeah um they like have a twist usually and a lot of the times there's like a moral you know Mm -hmm. um and i feel like it kind of like exploded science fiction in like popular mainstream culture yeah i sometimes get the twilight zone and doctor who sure fair yeah yeah. (laughs) um and the thing about the twilight zone is also like each episode is a contained story you know um Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's almost always a different cast. Um, really? I didn't know maybe. that. Maybe. I actually just made that up so I could be wrong. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's cool. That's, that's big production. And the show is, like, wildly successful. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, what's next is the big screen. So the idea was to make an anthology movie. So four short films, all by four different directors, um, kind of within the same steez as The Twilight Zone. Okay. The four directors, we've got Steven Spielberg, who is Steven Spielberg. (laughs) Joe Dante, who had done Gremlins. Okay. George Miller, who had done the Mad Max movies. And then John Landis, who did the Blues Brothers and American Werewolf in London and a few other things. All four of these directors are like insanely prolific and like really experienced with like sci-fi and suspense and creature movies, you know, like effects, things like that. Right. Got it. Yeah. Okay. And sorry, what year did you say this was? Oh, I didn't. (laughs) um 1980s so 1980s. 1982 we're filming it okay cool 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 got yeah. it i was like yeah i mean gremlins was 80s right i think so i'm pretty sure they had all 81. done at least like one or two of their big movies before cool. this cool 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 yeah okay, cool big a so, couple of big swinging director dicks and exactly a lot of magic g- Big old white men in Hollywood. Um, dime a dozen. Yep. <laughs> no, they are like very prolific directors. Yeah, yeah. I, was like, they're I don't want to be like too mean. <laughs> but the one we can be mean to. The tragedy happened while filming John Landis's segment of the movie. Um, Landis, his segment was about uh, a prejudiced man who would go back in time and live through like the horrors that the people he was prejudiced against like experienced. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like say he's like so in this instance he goes back to the Vietnam War. So it's like he's racist against Vietnamese people, goes back to the Vietnam War and is like, "Well, I guess everyone has a tough time." You know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it seems like a simple enough yeah concept right yeah. like if time travel is, is it's a like thing, then... if we want to use like the sci-fi trope of time travel this is a cool way to do it with a moral yeah we'll send a little message yeah. okay <laughs> so the prejudiced man was to be played by film and tv star vic morrow he was in um a drama series called combat with an exclamation point <laughs> Well, I would watch that. <laughs> Which I love. Uh, Bad News Bears he was in. I think he was like... Oh, Bad News Bears is awesome. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll have to add that to my list of good movies to watch. So, the day is July 23rd, 1982. And cast and crew are filming a segment in which Morrow's character is in the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this particular scene, he's meant to be saving two Vietnamese orphans. Now, these orphans are played by six-year-old... Renee Shinyi Chen and seven-year-old Micah Din Lei. So Landis had assembled an explosive unit. He has a helicopter to shoot the scene, Um, you know, a helicopter pilot, all that stuff. Cool. Big budget stuff. Oh, yeah. So the... Um, we are doing production into like the wee hours of the morning on this one. It's 2.30 a.m., And we're going to shoot the last take of the day. The explosions detonated, but unfortunately, 
the helicopter was a little too close. The tail rotor was compromised. The pilot lost control of the chopper. And this is where it gets gnarly. Um, The helicopter fell on Maro, who was holding (gasps) Lei and Shen. And the rotor blade struck them. Vic Maro and Mika Dinlay were decapitated. Oh my god. And Renee Shinyi Chen was crushed. <gasps> All three died almost instantly. Instantly. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I don't want to be, but like, thank God they died instantly. Uh, that's what I was also thinking. I was like, oh. Oh god. Oh. No, it's. That is awful yeah so we're gonna kind of go into what went wrong okay because there there's a lot (laughs) it's a little bit more like what didn't go wrong (laughs) so and we um, we solidly get to blame one person right basically yeah which i love (laughs) yes we're coming for you so firstly chen and lei the two children they kind of shouldn't have been on set in the first place Really? California state law did not allow children to work at night. Okay. Because um, it's the 1980s, like, but we still have labor laws, thankfully. I was going to say, I was like, that sounds like a good law to me. <laughs> like, yeah, they should be in bed. So also, yeah. <laughs> like, I Anytime I see, like, a child on the train at, like, midnight, I'm like, why aren't you in bed? <laughs> it's like, what happened? What happened today? Oh, God. <laughs> So Landis, instead of trying to, like, get a waiver, like, trying to, like, petition the law, instead of, you know, doing that to have them on set, he said, I'm just going to pay pay them under the table. Oh, jeez. And have them there illegally. That's oh, fine, right? Okay. That's a choice, I guess. Yeah. There were also currently restrictions around children being involved in scenes with explosives. Mm-hmm. Again, good law. <laughs> that makes sense too. Yep. Yeah. Um, and the parents of the children, apparently they weren't aware that there would be actual explosives. They thought it would just be noises. Oh my God. So. Or they probably wouldn't have allowed them to even be. Exactly. There was um, something about one of the parents was actually a vet from the Vietnamese War. The Vietnam War. And he was, like, seriously triggered being on that set. And, like, seriously upset that, like, his kid was going to be around actual explosives. Yeah. Oh, my God. Can you even imagine, like, having the most, like, one of the most traumatic things ever that's ever happened to you. And it's, like, playing in your face. But your kid is fucking there. Dude. What a nightmare. but like it's a a nightmare and you're awake and you're like this is actually happening this can't yeah. actually be happening like oh no it's I... horrifying um there was uh there were a few men men actually to blame one of which we can talk about associate producer George Fulzy Jr he actually told the parents not to tell any of the firefighters on set that children were in the scene what? He also went as far as to hide the children from a fire safety officer who was a welfare <gasps> worker. Oh my guys. Come on. So he's like hiding them. You know you're doing a bad thing 
why but why are you doing this like what it's it's like whenever I like I hate to say it like will look at my phone when I'm driving Mm -hmm. and then I think to myself I'm like one of these days this isn't gonna end great you know yeah it's like that that thing where it's like you must know that you're not doing the right thing but you're like this time we'll be fine right exactly yeah and oh dude like and I mean I get that you want to get the shot but there's gotta be a like an infomercial there's got to be a better way (laughs) get like an 18 year old who looks young (laughs) yeah whatever can you get you know uh somebody like of a small stature maybe someone like me and i'll wear like a helmet or something and i will be one of the children yeah let it be confirmed here and now that um uh amanda is offering to play a vietnamese character (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but, you know, with a helmet, so, because I am not Vietnamese. Oh, that's a, like, that's, that's bad form, though, because, all right, a small Vietnamese woman can play the child. I shouldn't, I shouldn't take jobs from minorities, that's terrible, no, all right. You get your job. But you'll play, if there's this scene, but in, like, World War Two and we're in England. You'll be the yes. small little British kid. Yes. I love that. <laughs> oh, good eye. Oh, wait, that's Australian. Oh, cheerio. Hey. Right, proper fit. <laughs> proper, proper, that's all I was going to say. Like, if I want to do an English accent, I just like Love Island. <laughs> Love Island. Love Island. So the helicopter itself was actually being piloted by a Vietnam War vet, also. Um, lots of vets involved. (laughs) Like, I'm sure this was of their own. Yes. But I'm still like, oh, God. I just, I don't, I'm picturing what it's doing to your brain. Ugh. And I, it makes me nervous. Anyway, sorry. So. I'm always so scared for people's mental health. (laughs) So, um, there was a testimony later that came out that, um, one of the, or the production manager told the pilot to get out of the area. But John Landis shouted over the radio to get lower, get lower, get lower. The helicopter tried to pull away, but by then they had lost control and began to spin out. So when the explosives went off, the production manager was like, okay, you're too close, pull up. And John Landis was like, the director was like, no, I need the shot, get lower. Dude. That's not cool at all. Um, at on some an, point in your brain, you have to be like, oh, shit, this is bad, right? Yeah, like, my art isn't worth it. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. All right. So a camera operator had testified that before this final shot, there were concerns about the stunt that were brought to Landis, and he jokingly said, we may lose the helicopter. <gasps> Dude. Uh-huh. Can you at least pretend to care about yeah. like, the safety of... <laughs> I don't know what... It, like, it personally offends me when people can't even pretend to care. Right? Just like... <sighs> you can't even fake it for a second. Like, I... Well, we may lose the helicopter. There's a person in that helicopter. Yeah. You know? it's the, We're not at drones yet. <laughs> exactly. It's not. It's not the helicopter that you're joking about you're like we may lose the pilot yeah you might as well say that yeah exactly so i know 
So I've said testify now a few times um, because you can be certain that there was a civil and criminal case brought against the filmmakers. So, yeah, as soon as you said um, testified, I was like, ooh, did he get it? Did he get it good? So, again, you know, classic, this podcast, it's like kind of a yay, kind of like a damn it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, a, that's how a lot of our stories <laughs> So, the, the again, the four parents testified. They weren't aware there were going to be helicopters or explosives on set. Uh is this stuff, like, laid out in paperwork anywhere? Either? Well, they were being paid under the did, table. I was going to say. So they didn't no need to sign or anything. anything. Yeah. So it's like, because when you say, like, the parents weren't aware, and I'm like, well, there had to have been, like, paperwork that they were looking over yeah. and signing. And it's like, oh, that's right. There wasn't. Yeah. Specifically. Um, so John Landis, the director, George Folsey Jr., the associate producer, the helicopter pilot, Dorsey Wingo, great name. Yeah. Especially like, for a pilot being yeah. named Wingo. <laughs> Dorsey Wingo. That's really good. Yeah. Uh, production manager Dan Allingham and explosive specialist Paul Stewart were all tried on charges of manslaughter, but were acquitted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It it felt like one of those things where it's like the blame could be sh- like pushed to anyone else. Yeah. There was it's even like shifted around like like you pack down sand. Yeah. Exactly. There was even one moment I think in court where the pilot was like, "Well, Vic Morrow should have seen that the helicopter was close." You're blaming the guy who got decapitated? And then and someone was like, someone was like, he was doing the, like the blocking. Mm-hmm. He had two children in his arms. Yeah. Like, what? Are you what? kidding me? And they're like, yeah, he's our safety officer. He should have <laughs> known he was in danger. He should have, like, stop, stop it. Knock oh, that shit geez. right off. You sound so, insane. I know, it's so fucked but um the families of the children did collect millions of dollars from civil lawsuits um right which good Good. (laughs) as they should it doesn't bring your child back yeah but good so the the defense worked the angle that the production did break child labor laws but the crash itself was an unavoidable accident well, not really, because someone was like, hey, we have this issue. And mm-hmm. your director was like, I don't see it as an issue. So, yeah. Yes. I feel like it was definitely avoidable, even like leading up to the event and during. Yeah. So yeah. don't act of God us over here. I know, right? Ugh. We ain't buying it. And also it's like, we just broke some child labor laws. <laughs> it's like- what? That's a fine, right? Like so um there were ripples through the film industry after this. Okay. Um which is awesome. The yeah, I dir- love to see a, a, a right. ripple for, for a ripple reason. after a tragedy. Yeah. The Directors Guild of America started publishing regular safety bulletins and they even made a telephone hotline where directors could call with safety questions. Oh. Which is like so That's precious. Kind of I know. They were like, 
everyone read our bulletin? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, are you directing a movie? Are you concerned about the safety of your workers? <laughs> Call us. We'll help. Like, <laughs> um, they started... Adorable. Yeah, they started to discipline members more strictly for safety violations on set. So, like, actually following through. Okay. Um, SAG, which is the Screen Actors Guild, included new clauses in contracts that allowed actors to step away if they felt un- unsafe on set and, like, encouraged actors to do so. Good. Which I think is an important part of and it's something that is still kind of being worked on and is still kind of being established, but I think it's probably much better now than it used to be. Well, and I love any kind of like rule that like empowers people to, yeah, to act in their own Mm self-interest. Like that's, I love to see that. Mm -hmm. Um, the California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection created a motion picture and entertainment safety program so <laughs> like a specific thing yeah they're like we'll dip our fingers in that yeah right <laughs> and because of this recommitment to safety insurance agencies became part of the filming process because it used to be that like movie sets were so dangerous that it wasn't worthwhile for insurance agencies to get involved because, like, there would always be a payout, you know? Like, right. you're always oh, going to yeah. be spending money. Yeah. Um, there's, like, they're, like, there's no point in insuring any of this because yeah. we're just going to lose every time. Yeah. So. Okay. I mean, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. But now that they saw that, like, you know, studios were kind of recommitting to safety, insurance agencies were, like, okay, we'll get involved. Like, we'll okay. give you money. Like, we'll insure your film. But because of that, they had to follow kind of more specific insurance company rules. They had to give like breakdowns of people involved in certain scenes, like what explosives are being used, like what Mm -hmm. safety measures they're taking. They had to like lay all that out, you know, which is smart. (laughs) I love to see it. Love to see it. And you do see that sometimes with, like, in certain productions, they're like, oh, our insurance won't cover, like, X, Y, and Z. Or, like, we can't do this because of insurance. Like, you know. And I don't – listen, I love a good rule. Love it. (laughs) And, like, luckily nowadays, like, I think the more that, like, computer and digital effects are able to be used, like, probably the less – I mean, I love a good practical effect – I think, oh, like, they're incredible, but, like, yeah. if you're looking at a situation and you're, like, someone could die or we could make it on a computer, I'd rather, like, look a little shitty and be on a computer. Exactly. Like, I, I love a good practical effect. I was actually just saying this the other day. Um, like, that's – I love that about, like, 80s movies and stuff like that. Um, but most of the time they're not explosions – yeah, uh, it's like I'm like, oh, isn't it cool? They like created a little like flying car thing or whatever. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, I think if we can do explosions, we'll just, we could just CG it or no, yeah, you're exactly Big what enough. you said, Hannah. <laughs> like that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and you know, we still see accidents today. I mean, Alec Baldwin was just charged with uh. It, what was it? Involuntary manslaughter. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as you were telling the story, I'm like, oh man, like this is, 
an Alec Baldwin situation. I mean, yeah. And I mean, obviously nothing's going to happen. Like he'll probably be acquitted. Yeah. Um, Or he won't serve time if, or he, exactly. He won't serve time beyond like probation or something like that. But what I found interesting, not to derail too much from your story, because um, I found it interesting that they were like, he should have checked the gun to know if it was a prop or not. I'm like, should he though? That's like, and that comes into play of like, what's the actor's responsibility, especially when you have someone like an armorer on set, you Uh know, and like people who like that's supposed to be their job, which is like, I don't know. I mean, I think there's, it's too complex to kind of paint with any broad strokes in that case. But like, we know that there was like neglect going on on set. We know that there were like dissatisfied, people were dissatisfied with work conditions. And also, you know, like, we know it was an inexperienced armorer. It was like, kind of a nepotism baby. Um, And also, it's kind of like, why are we using real guns i that was my first question when this story first came out i was like why is there a real gun on set ever ever what like that it makes no sense why it was anywhere near yeah that movie set it it's beyond me yeah um like i'm envisioning like we have like prop masters we have all this stuff like we can make a gun that's just like not loadable yeah. And also, you know they're going to, like, change the sound effect anyway in post. They're going to fucking add some foley or some shit. And that's mm-hmm. when you use a real gun in a shooting range to get that noise or whatever. You yeah. know, like, why? I really, I thought this was going to break open, like, and I was like, someone used Alec Baldwin to murder a, like, you know, <laughs> like an Agatha Christie novel thing. Because it's like, how could... How could it not be a conspiracy? Like, how is that the norm? Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, absolutely crazy. Yeah. Oh. Um. So, finally, returning to the Twilight Zone, I want to look at two of the reactions from directors involved. Okay. Firstly, John Landis himself. Um, <laughs> Shitbag. Shitbagged. So. I'm like, I'm, I know I'm like doing a bunch of like, physical reaction to this story. I know, right? <laughs> like, I'm like, we're shaking our heads. <laughs> no. So, in an interview in 1996, he said, there was absolutely no good aspect about this whole story. The tragedy, which I think about every day, had an enormous impact on my career, from which I may possibly never recover. Oh my god. Oh, you poor fucking baby. Shut up. There we Shut go. Shut the fuck up, John Landis. There we go. Like, we don't... No, fuck you. Sit down. <laughs> like, oh, my career got oopsed. And it, it kind of did. Like, if you look at his credits, like, he doesn't have much going on. But I'm like... I, you killed people. Yeah, you... <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, this. yes, this is what happens when you're like, I've got to get this scene and I do all this shady shit to get it. And then you're like, but my coach, shut up. And he's like, the tragedy, which I think about every day. And that feels like almost like a, I don't know. I don't know. And quotes can be taken out of context. You know, this is kind of like 
a flashy one that was in all the articles I read, uh-huh. which I understand, like, maybe they asked specifically about the impact on his career, but okay. still, it's like giving YouTuber apology energy. Mm-hmm. It really does. And you're just like, this is a sob story from a man who did a bad thing. And yeah. I don't fucking want to hear it. Like, yeah. just, oh, poor me. Like, I think about it every day. It's like, yeah, you think about woe is me every day. I'm sure mm-hmm. you're like, oh, man, I wish that hadn't happened to me. Shut up. Yeah. It didn't happen to you. Yeah. You made it happen to other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you took children away from their parents. So secondly, Steven Spielberg, who mm-hmm. was the co-producer of the entire project with Landis, um, actually broke off their friendship following how Landis handled the accident. And he said, quote, your friend's an asshole. Yeah, honestly, he said, quote, no movie is worth dying for. I think people are up much more now than ever before to producers and directors who ask too much. If something isn't safe, it's the right and responsibility of every actor and crew member to yell cut. And that is why I nominate Steven Spielberg as disastrous podcast hottie of the week. I love you, Steve. Yeah. It's like... (sighs) We needed that. I know. We needed that. We needed some good... (laughs) Hottie of the week. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Steven Spielberg, you can get it. (laughs) I know, truly. But yeah, that is the Twilight Zone helicopter crash disaster tragedy. Oh my God. Well, that was... Something else. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you for telling that to me. You do it so yes. well. Um, Thank you. Oh, man. Landis. I mm. know. What's the opposite of hottie? <laughs> Naughty. <laughs> yeah. Naughty gremlin. <laughs> <laughs> I think the movie was still released. They just, like, cut out that scene. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Can you imagine seeing like a murder on scene? Or like, oh my god, you're at the movies and you're just like, that looks super real. It's 1982. How did they do that? And then you like go look up in an encyclopedia or something. (laughs) How did how did people find stuff out? The newspaper. I don't think they did. Like, I'm trying to think. (laughs) I think about that a lot actually because I'm like. Man, I like if I have a question about like what anything is or who anybody is, I just look it up in my pocket computer. Yeah. But in the eighties, I think they would just make shit up. Yeah. Like they're like, milk is good for your bones. Okay. Do, <laughs> did you uh something on Instagram reels about like uh how some GOP uh lawmakers are literally like just making up medical facts? I'm not surprised at I all. Know. That is and, so funny. Yeah. And this one, uh, I think, senator was like, we should not be making laws about medicine. What you're saying does not make any sense. Like, it's not a thing. Like, it's... Like, and- you need... <laughs> we need, like, subcommittees of doctors who are not, you know... it. Yeah being paid by pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. She's like, we are not doctors. We shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> I was like, yeah, girl. <laughs> yeah. 
know your limitations. <laughs> but yeah. Um, well, cool. That was uh, that was a story. Man. I know, right? Um, well, do you want to tell uh, the listeners where to uh, find more uh, juicy goss? Yes, goss? of course. <laughs> Um, you can go ahead and follow us on Instagram at Disastrous Pod. Uh, on Facebook, just look up Disastrous Podcast, I believe, and that should get you where you're going. Twitter, not sure if we're going to keep using it, but it's Disastrously Pod, and we'll hopefully have a TikTok out for you guys shortly. Um, also, go ahead and email us at disastrouspod at gmail.com. I want you to tell me your favorite thing about Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Or if um, you have any pictures or selfies with him. Oh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Yeah, and so we can keep making you laugh and keep kind of scaring the shit out of you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> making you a little bit sad in a, you know, deep existential way. <laughs> <laughs> but with a side of levity. So uh, this has been disastrous. I'm Amanda. And I'm Hannah. And we love you and respect you. And we will catch you on the flippy floppy. Bye. Bye.